Um, let's pray as we turn to the Bible just now. God's with us. He's going to speak to us, I believe, and uh, we're going to have hearts that are wide open. God in heaven, thank you that you're among us. Love singing to you earlier, Lord. Love breaking bread and taking that grape juice that reminds us of what it's all about. Thank you you're among us just now. You're not a distant God, you're right here, as well as being everywhere all at once. But you always turn up in a special way when your people gather. It's your house, you call it. You call it your bride. And we're privileged to be in your presence in the house of the Lord today, Lord. And thank you, you're in your house too. I pray for everyone here, Lord. You know everyone. Some here don't yet know you. Please reveal yourself to them today. Draw them in your love. Others, many, know you. Would you equip us, speak to us, inspire us? Help me to speak. Help us to hear in Jesus' name. We're in the book of Acts. Uh, It's been great looking at the birth of the early church. Uh, Let me just tell you a story uh, that didn't happen 2,000 years ago. Let me tell you a story that just happened last week, last Monday, in fact. Uh, This is a picture of Jack and Laura Cosley. You might recognize Laura. Laura's often playing keyboard. She's usually in our north location across town in Granton. Jack and Laura went out for a family walk. They were down in Cheshire with their family, and they were out for just a kind of New Year's walk, uh, enjoying the fresh air. And, but, but, you know, it, because of the weather, it was really, really, really muddy. And at several points in the walk, they told me, at several points, we just wanted to turn back because we thought, man, this is, this is really not worth it. Let's go back. But weirdly, they felt they should keep walking. So anyway, they kept walking, and they came around the corner, and there, uh, beside a river, there was a tree, and there was a guy hanging on a rope from the tree. Laura, caught, Laura saw it first, and she called Jack over. Jack, come quickly. Jack ran and grabbed the guy's legs, held him up. Laura got her dad to phone the police, and I think Laura or one of the others climbed up in the branch of the tree and loosened the rope. They rescued his life. They got him down. The police came and took him to hospital and uh, got him in a place where he'd have care, and not just physical support, but practical support. Half a minute later, one minute later, if they had turned back on that muddy walk, that man would no longer be alive. He'd left a suicide note, which Jack found afterwards. He's a 21-year-old Polish guy called Camille. He left a suicide note with his address in it. And Jack and Laura have written a, a letter, which one of our a Polish church members translated. And in the, in the note, very simple note, they've ordered from the Bible Society a Polish New Testament And they've written a little note, and it says, We believe that God placed us there at the exact time and place to save your life. We believe that God has a plan for your life. And they sent that little note with a New Testament to Camille. I think God led Jack and Laura on that walk. I think God will lead us at strategic moments to meet with precious people who we didn't know, but God's always known and loved. And in this account in Acts, it's just like this. It's where there's a moment where God leads one of our brothers, great servant of the Lord Philip, to another man, just at the right time, right place. And he wants to do exactly the same through you and me. Let's read the account and then we'll go back and go through it verse by verse. 
Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the roads, the desert roads, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and went on his way, and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Kandik, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was on his way home and was sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him and This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. It's a quote from Isaiah, chapter 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Who's it talking about? It's talking about Jesus. It's talking about, it's it's a prophecy talking about Jesus' death. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip, beginning with that very passage of Scripture, told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the roads, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Watch that can stand in the way of me being baptized. Philip gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Wow, that's incredible. Just like the story of Jack and Laura. So here's my agenda today. Very simple. There's two groups of people in this room, just like there's two groups of people on planet Earth. And I'm speaking to both groups of people. One group of people, you know God. You already know God. You're in connection with your Creator. You know God. And I'm talking to you folks about how do you share your, this love of God, this incredible good news, just like Philip shared it, how do you share it with people who do not yet know God? That's my agenda for you who know God. And then there's another group of people here today, and you don't yet know God. I love that you're here. Thank you for coming. And thanks for coming along, even though you're not sure about it, and you're on the fence, you're kind of thinking, is this right? Okay, listen, let me tell you my agenda for you. My agenda, I'm telling other folks how to reach people like you. And my agenda for you is, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to introduce you to this God that maybe you don't know yet, but he knows you, and he has a plan for you. And he wants to, so I'm unapologetic in my, to be honest, put yourself in my shoes. If you believe that there was a God in heaven who is the creator of everything, who at one point in history, he entered into human existence, he died on the cross, paid the price for all of our sin, and rose again the third day. If you believed like I do, would you not do everything you possibly could to tell people about him? Of course you would. And would you not try and equip people to help share that? Of course you would. So that's my agenda. I want to equip you to share this message. And if you don't know Jesus, I want to introduce you to Jesus. He's here. So let's go through the verses. Just one verse at a time. Let's just unpack it. And it's, it's just loaded with great truth. And this will help you. Verse 26. 
Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. What's the context? Okay. Philip was, when the, the angel told him this, was in a place called Samaria, just some area. <laughs> and the angel appeared to him and, and, and told Philip, I want you to leave Samaria and I want you to go down to this particular road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, what's the significance of that? Okay, so if you read in the verses before it, Philip's in Samaria and there's revival breaking out. I mean, hundreds upon hundreds of people, if not thousands, are becoming believers in Jesus. It's all happening in Samaria. People are getting baptized. If you read it, there's demons being cast out. There's people who were lame, were being miraculously healed. It was, I mean, it was all happening up in Samaria. And now the angel of the Lord tells Philip, leave all this excitement and go into this little desert roads. No population, place where no one goes, you serious? It's incredible. And he went. And you know, it's quite, quite a journey as well from Samaria down to the road between Jerusalem and Gaza would have been 50 to 100 miles, depending on where on that road he met the Ethiopian youth. 50 to 100 miles. That's like going from here to Glasgow or beyond. Okay. Uh, and Philip wouldn't have had a car. So that's a long trek. So he made that trek and he did that journey. He left all that excitement. He made that long journey to reach one person. Because God is not just interested in the masses. He's not just interested in the crowds. He's interested in one person. He's interested in your life. He's interested in your friends' lives. He's deeply interested in your family. He loves people you've never met, and you walk past them every day in the street. You don't know them. He really does. He's deeply interested in them. And you have no idea the length that God will go to to just reach one person. This story is a testimony to that. I, I love the story. Peter and Anne Pretorius, some of you know them. They, they, they often come and speak here at the church. They run an organization called JAM, where they preach to literally millions of people in Africa, but they also uh, provide food. They feed one million children a day in Africa. And they remember them telling a story that they often go into war-torn areas of Africa. And on one occasion, God really put it in their heart to go to a particular airfield in a particular war-torn part of Africa. And the, Peter's a pilot, so he was trying to fly in, but as he, as he flew over, the airfield was all barricaded off. No, no plane could land. There was all these obstacles on the airfield, so they couldn't land. But they, they still felt this strong, compelling urge to go to that airfield. So they, they went back to base, and they, uh, they hired a military helicopter, and they flew with aid and supplies, and they flew into that airfield to find 18 kids living at the end of the airfield in the bush. 18 kids who were at the brink of starvation. And their lives were saved. Peter Petorius commented, he said, God wanted us to go there just for those 18 kids. No one would have known that those kids, if they had, no one would have known if those kids had died. No newspaper would have reported their deaths. But God saw God knows. You see, Philip could never have figured out, okay, I'm going to go there and I'm going to meet this Ethiopian youth. Philip could never have figured that one out. Jack and Laura could never have figured out. There's a guy called Kamal who's about to end his life today and we need to go on that walk. You can't figure these things out, but there's a God who knows everything. And I assure you, God is on the case of human beings. There are 18 points in the book of Acts as we go through this study. There are 18 moments 
where you see God instances where God, like in this moment, there are 18 moments where the Holy Spirit will lead people to have this, you know, they'll go somewhere or go to this place or uh, go and speak to those people. Or there's this 18 moments in the book of Acts where there's this encouragement from the Holy Spirit to take a step to go and speak to someone. And the reason that's in the book of Acts, these stories and 18 others like it, is because the book of Acts is basically a handbook for exactly how Christianity should look. Now that Jesus has risen from the dead, the Holy Spirit's filled us, this is how Christianity should look. In other words, God wants you in the midst of your ordinary, in the midst of just the sea of our mundane nine-to-fives, regular lives, God wants to set us up with moments where we meet with people, divine appointments, setups from God, where God will lead you to someone's life. It might be the person you sit beside on the plane. It might be the person you sit beside on that bus trip. It might be the person that your car breaks down and the AA guy comes to fix it. It might be that God set it all up, you know, sabotage the car, you know, that, so that so you could meet that AA guy. It might, it, it might be a whole lot of, who knows, but God knows. And God wants you to not be so in the zone, and we can be some so in the zone of our own life, so wrapped up with our own lives and concerns, our own pursuits and our own desires, that we miss these. But God wants us to live with an awareness every day when you wake up, you're a living purpose. God, today, I'm alive. There's a purpose for me being alive. You've you've saved me. You brought me to you. And you now want me to be a means by which others can meet God and experience his love. Is there anyone today you want me to speak to? Is there any life you've lined up? God, I'm, I'm listening. And some days it'll just be normal. But some days he'll speak and some days he'll lead you. Verses 27 to 28. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandik, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was on his way home, sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. So this is a black African. He was, in cha- he was in charge of all the treasury of a country or a region, in fact. In other words, he was the equivalent of the chancellor of the exchequer. He was a, a very high up person in the echelons of this government. And he was a eunuch. Now, that means he was castrated, uh, and, and this was not uncommon, okay? So if you, if, you were, if you weren't part of the royal family, and you had a high-up position in government, where you had to, you know, your, your job meant that you were constantly around the queen, uh, or, or the princesses, or, or the harem, or whatever, that you would, you would, it was, you know, part of your job description, uh, it, was, it was part of your terms of employment, you imagine... You, I mean, you've got to really want the job, you know? <laughs> I say, imagine you went to your job interview and, and, and you're sitting there reading through the contract and then there's a fine print. Needs to be castrated. Yeah, I'll, I want the job. You know, come on. Whew. Wow, so... Uh, so the point is, he's very, very different to Philip. Okay? He was different racially, different skin color. He was different in, in, in terms of sexually, he was altered. You know, he, and Philip wasn't. He was a Gentile, and from the furthest reaches of the known world, Ethiopia. So he was so different to Philip. In fact, Jewish men, I don't know if they still do this, but Jewish men at the time when Philip was around, there was a common prayer, Jewish men prayer. They woke up in the morning and they prayed every day, Oh Lord, I thank you that you did not make me a woman, a slave, or a Gentile. Amen. United. That's a good prayer. I mean, that's... Wow. Uh, so, uh, 
Philip, I mean, Philip was from a race, a, 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 the Jewish people, and, and there was a big prejudice against non-Jews. Massive. There was a racial divide. He, this guy was sexually altered, and he was a, a non-Jew. And so in every way, Philip should not have connected with this guy if he was just going to go with the flow of his culture. And yet, with the love of God in his heart, he reached out to someone who was different to him. Who has God put in front of you? God will place people in front of you. Is your heart big enough to reach people who are different to you? I mean, vastly different to you. God wants you to reach people different to you. Why the thousand-mile journey? This eunuch had traveled a thousand miles from Ethiopia to worship God in Jerusalem. What does that say about this guy? You know, a thousand miles. I mean, I don't know, growing up in Glasgow, I remember sometimes family holidays meant driving south because that's where the sun happened to be. And you drive south to like the south coast of England, Portsmouth or Cornwall or something like that. That's, that's going to Cornwall and back. That's 500 miles, right? So you remember the, those journeys? Oh man, let's play I Spy. Or, you know, <laughs> you had Murray Mints. You didn't have iPads to watch in those days. You just had to, you know, stare at the window, get sunburned through the glass. Man, it was, it was, who remembers those journeys? Horrible journeys, right? But imagine doing that in a chariot on a bump. Imagine off-roading it in a chariot down to Cornwall and back. That's a serious journey. What's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on here. This guy is seeking God. It says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. And you know what? Some of you are here today and you haven't traveled to Jerusalem. You haven't come a thousand miles. You've come to Destiny Church in Gorgie to seek God. And the truth, the good news here in the verse is this. If you seek God, you'll find him. You have no idea the lengths will go. God will, go the, God will turn the world upside down to reveal himself to you. He, you seek him, you will find him. And, and then it says in verse 29, the Spirit said to Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. How do you hear God speak to you? Right? In these verses, there's two ways that God has spoken to Philip. Both, there's an external way and there's an internal way. Externally, an angel spoke to Philip. That's how he first heard to go from Samaria down to Gaza, Jerusalem Road. So an angel spoke externally. And God can speak to you externally. God can speak through angels. God can send an angel. God can speak audibly. You can hear him speak. That's rare, but that happens. How many people have heard God audibly speak? That you would swear that that was in the room. Hands up. A few of you. How many people have had an angelic experience where an angel has in some form or another appeared to you? Hand up. Okay, some hands there. There are times when God will speak externally through the Bible. That's, that's common. That's regular. That's how God typically speaks. You're reading the Bible. It's, and it just changes your life. It just jumps off the page and speaks to you. There are times when someone will come and bring you a prophecy from outside. You'll, you hear this word from the Lord and you just know it was the word of the Lord and it came as a prophecy. You know, this building you're in came as a result of a word of the Lord, a prophecy. Isn't it amazing to sit in something that was produced by a word of the Lord? And every step we've taken as a church has been endorsed by the Holy Spirit speaking prophetically into every step we've taken as a church. We're so grateful for God's leading. So God speaks externally, but also God speaks internally. And this is what we see here. It says, the Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot. 
And God can speak to you. Uh, sometimes it'll come as a vision you'll have. Some, some, some of you call it a picture. Or some of you, it's more like a trance. Uh, how many people have had a, a picture from God? Okay, a lot of you have had pictures from God. Uh, sometimes God will speak in a dream. How many people have had a dream from God? You, 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 you just know that that was the... Some of you had dreams, you think, oh, I hope that wasn't from God. But you know there are dreams that you th- they stand it and you think, okay, that, that one was from the Lord. The others were from the devil, but that one there I know was from the Lord. Okay, hey, God speaks through dreams. Hey, God, he, here's how God typically speaks, certainly to me, and I'm sure many of you can resonate with this. God speaks just in your spirit. You just know. It's all of a sudden something you didn't know, you just now know. You know this is a step you should take. You know that that's wrong with that person and you need to talk to them about it. You just know that that's not the truth you're hearing and you need to challenge that. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Who's had that before? You just know in your knower, right? Oftentimes when I have a prophecy, I just, I just know this is what God is saying or a word, of, a word of knowledge. I just suddenly, you suddenly just know something about someone or a situation in the room that you didn't know before and it's the Holy Spirit speaking. So God speaks. And God speaks to Philip. In verse 30, it says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. He ran up to the chariot. Now, what's significant? Well, the chariot was still moving. So he's, he kind of, he's trying to keep up with, with the chariot. He's trying to keep up. And, it, hey, I see you reading the Bible. And he's running along trying to keep up with the chariot. That's, that's what's going on here. Um. But here's the point I want to make is questions are really important. I know Paul touched on this last week as well. But asking questions of people is so, so important in you helping people find their way to God. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? Say, do you understand what you are reading? Simple question. And yet the question triggered a cascade of events that led to this man's transformation. Did you know that you can ask questions? You can ask simple questions like, do you understand that? Or what do you think about that? Or you can ask simple questions that lead people to a revelation of God. I know some of you, you kind of wonder, well, how on earth can I share my faith with someone else? The idea of sharing your faith or evangelizing is such a scary concept for many of you. But actually, if you analyze in the Bible, not just in this verse, but in many other parts in the Bible, if you analyze how Jesus and the apostles often shared their faith, they often did it by asking questions or responding to questions that had been asked. And this is a very simple truth and a very simple tool that I want you all to get because it will help you in the way you interact with people who don't yet know God. Ask questions. Jesus asked questions. You know that in the Gospels, it's recorded that Jesus asked 307 questions. How many people know he probably knew some stuff, right? He wasn't asking questions because he needed to probably know more. He was typically asking questions because he wanted them to realize something. It's interesting that Jesus only directly answered three questions. He often answered questions with questions. Jesus constantly used questions. Here's a couple of examples. Matthew 22, what do you think about the Christ? He asked the crowd, what do you think about the Christ? If you were in that crowd, that would have been a life-giving question. He asked John 21, do you love me? Matthew chapter 7 verse 3, 
Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Jesus was a master at asking questions. And in the Gospels, we have recorded 307 questions that Jesus asked. How do you interact with folks who don't have faith in God yet? Ask questions. Jesus did it. Philip did it. Why did Jesus ask questions? He asked questions because it helped people to grow. He asked questions because it helped people to realize things. When Jesus asked questions, you know, you could just tell people the answers, or you could help them on the journey to discovering the answer themselves. And how many people know, if you're a teacher, you know this, that if you're teaching something, if you can get them to discover it themselves, they remember it for so much longer than if you just told them the answer. So what questions do is that helps people come to a realization themselves of truths. Questions. How did God initially speak to Adam straight after the fall of mankind way back in Genesis? Questions, right? He said to Adam, where are you, Adam? God's omniscient. He knows everything. Why would God say, Adam, where are you? You know, he wasn't wondering where Adam was. What was he trying to do? He was trying to get Adam to realize not where he was positionally, but where he was relationally with God and what had gone wrong. What do questions do? When you ask questions, how does it help? Okay, when you ask questions, it helps you get to know them. When, you, when you're talking to friends who don't yet know the Lord and you ask them questions, you suddenly find out about what their objections to faith in God are, what their hurts maybe relating to God or religion or church are, asking questions gives you all that information. Asking questions makes a dialogue rather than a monologue. You're not just preaching at them about your faith, shoving this down their throat. You're asking them in your dialogue and you're engaging and interacting on something. You are respecting someone's free will when you're asking questions. You're not forcing something down their throat. You're respecting their free will. You're helping the person come to their own conclusions when you're asking questions. That's so important. Dale Carnegie said this, you can, be, uh, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you could in two years trying to get other people to be interested in you. So ask good questions. Here's some good questions. You can ask, what do you mean by that? See, when someone says to you, okay, I mean, you've had these questions. In such a scientific world, with all the scientific advances, with the theory of evolution, with all these things, how on earth can you still say you believe in God? And for many people, when your friend says a question like that, it's like a conversation stopper. You just don't know what, because you think, you think what you've got to do is you've got to have all these scientific arguments to come back with to disprove what they've said. That's what you think, but you don't. All you need to actually do, because actually just say to them, well, can you explain to me why it would be that with all the scientific advances, that would mean you don't believe in God? <laughs> Ask them a question. Because the truth I have found is that most people, when they say things like this, oh, I don't believe in God because of evolution. Do you actually know what you're talking about? Don't say that cheekily, but just ask. So, explain that. What do you mean by that? And oftentimes... And this happens. How many times is it the case that people are just saying what they've heard everyone else saying? 
right? They haven't processed that. They're just saying what they've heard everyone else saying. And for some reason, it becomes a conversation stopper where it doesn't need to be a conversation stopper. It should be a, a moment to ask a question. Or someone says, well, don't all religions lead to gods? And you can just, I mean, that, that could be a common, you, you could either flick into argument modes, let me show you why all religions don't lead to, lead to God, right? And you just, you get stuck in there. Oh, I've read a book on this, right? And you go for it. Okay, yeah, and that's why none of your friends are Christians. Okay, or, or you could just simply say, well, in what sense do you mean all, all religions lead to God? Just probe a bit. Ask them more questions. Go deeper in it. If your friend's a Buddhist, you don't need to go and read a book on Buddhism to know how to connect with your friend. Just say to your friend, listen, can I take you for a coffee? I know you're a Buddhist. I'm a Christian. I would love the opportunity to hear what you believe about life, and then I can share with you what I believe about life. And you just sit there and ask questions. When you ask questions, you are interested. And if you are interested, all of a sudden you become interesting, and people want to know about the truths that you hold to. So ask questions. Ask, another, here's another good question you can ask. Can I pray for you? I, I don't know anyone who would say no to that question. Even the biggest atheists are like, well, if it works, it's, it's going to help, right? So just try it. I was, uh, as you know, I, I like football and um, I, I was, I love going to the Hearts, play. who's at the Hearts match yesterday? Was anyone at the Hearts match? Just me, okay. Oh, that's right, you're Christian. Sorry, I forgot you're Christians, okay. So I was at the Hearts match yesterday and we're in, the, we're in, we're in this area called uh, Gorgie and there's a, a, a little stadium just around the corner uh, called Tyne Castle, okay, just 16,000 people go there most weeks, just so you know, right, it's a, it's a game called football, it involves a ball. Anyway, the top goal, this is, this is so not going to impress you, this, this story. Anyway, I'll tell you. The top goal scorer, uh, Osman, so he's the top goal scorer for Chelsea. Uh, for Chelsea? What? For, just testing if you're away. For Hearts. For Hearts. Um, he, he, he scored a great goal yesterday. They, they won 6-0 yesterday. It was a great game. Anyway, on Friday or whatever, I, I was popping into the Marquis' garage uh, getting some bits and pieces just along Slateford Road here, and I walked around the aisle, and, hey, there's Osmond So, So I said, oh, nice to meet you, Osmond So. Good to see you. I'm cheering you on. You're playing great. So some great goals. Took a selfie with him for my son, because so, my son would be so proud that I saw Osmond So. <laughs> and, and I just took the moment to say, listen, is there anything I can pray for you for? I'm the pastor of a church just around the corner from Tynecastle. You're very welcome to come any Sunday, and maybe you're here today. Welcome, Osmond. Uh, I said, is there anything I can pray for you for? No one ever says no to, is there anything I can pray for you for? Just ask questions. Just, just be very human. Ask questions. It shows interest. And you have no idea where that could lead. Verse 31. Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And the, the Ethiopian eunuch said this. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip up and, uh, to sit, come up and sit down with him. And that was better because since said, okay. Let's, let's talk about that verse you're reading. You know, he said, no, come, come on up into the, the chariot and we can discuss it while, while we're on in my big chariot with, with chrome rims. So now what happens here is this. Philip goes up and answers questions. You see that? So Philip starts with a question. Do you understand what you're reading? But notice what's happened now. The Ethiopian eunuch now asks him, can you explain it to me? You see that? What's going on there? 
Okay, is, if now Philip shares with him about Jesus, is he now forcing it down his throat? No. Why? Because he's, at, he's doing it in response to a, a question. And if you go right through the book of Acts, in fact, if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus constantly shared truth in response to questions. He didn't just ask questions. He answered questions. And you look in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls, lots of people speak in tongues, huge crowd gathers. Before Peter preaches, what happens? The crowd asks a question. What does this mean? Now, Peter has permission, and Peter preaches. Later on in the book of Acts, you see the apostle Paul in Acts chapter, I think it's 17, in, in Athens. And the people in Athens say, we want to know what these things you're talking about mean. And then they invite him to come and be the speaker. And he speaks to this huge crowd of people who don't know God. It's incredible. In response to questions. So when you're with your friends, your loved ones, or you have that one-off encounter like, like Philip did here, ask questions and answer questions. It keeps it human. keeps it friendly. I remember, yeah, you might have heard this story. I've probably told it a couple of times over the years. My stories do repeat. I've been preaching for a long time, so... But my jokes are all original every time. They come fresh from heaven. I remember uh, coming back from Dublin. I was preaching at a church in Dublin. And as I was about to get, I was, it was Ryanair. I, we were in a queue waiting to get into Ryanair. It was, it was running late. Uh, and we uh, in the queue, waiting to get in this Ryanair plane. It was flying to Presswick Airport. And it, in this long queue of people, it was kind of getting late at night. And there was a guy behind me and he tapped me on the shoulder and says, do you know what time the plane's going to arrive into Glasgow? Because I'm really concerned I'm going to miss the, the, the bus into the city. And I said, I, I really don't know, mate. I'm so sorry. Uh, but then I thought my dad was picking me up at Presswick. So I, I, I said to Melissa, my dad's picking me up. Could my dad give you a lift to wherever you're going? Where do you live? I said, I live in Bishop Briggs. Are you sure? I said, absolutely. My dad will give you a lift. I said, well, thanks very much. So then he said, so what were you doing in, in Dublin? And I said, I was speaking at my friend's church. I said, no way. Wow. I said, and what about you? I said, oh, I was playing golf with friends. And that kind of killed the conversation. It just went, <laughs> so that, anyway, that was that. Anyway, we eventually we got through the queue, got on the, got on the plane. I, 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 looked around, I, I found my seat. A minute or so later, I saw him come on and he, he looked around. He saw me and he walked right over and he, he said, do you mind if I sit beside you? I said, sure. And he sat down beside me and the plane took off. And, and he, first thing he said to me, he said, so you mentioned that you were speaking at your friend's church are you a believer in God? And I said, yeah, I am. Yeah, I, I, I believe in God. And you know, I've, I believe in God kind of passionately since I was maybe a teenager. And then he said, so what, what was it that made you believe in God? And then honestly, it was one question, about 20 questions. He asked me, so why, why should someone, why do you believe that Jesus is the answer above all other religions? And I told him the answer. And then he said, and, and why would What's the, why did he have to die on the cross? And I explained about sin and the, the problem we've got and how Jesus came as the answer. And then he says, and, and did you really believe that? And I said, yeah, I believe that. And he asked me all these questions. And basically he asked all the questions, the perfect questions to answer if you wanted, if you could have scripted this, right? If you could have scripted it, ask this, now say this part of the gospel, then you get them to ask this question here, then you'll explain that bit there. Oh, and don't forget this bit, so ask that question there. Then It was, it was like it was scripted. It was incredible. And we got off the plane. He, he was actually a scriptwriter. No, he was he a script. Yeah, he was a scriptwriter for. I don't know if he, some of you remember the Spitting Image, uh, the kind of political cartoon type program. He was one of the scriptwriters for Spitting Image. Anyway, 
at the end of the plane journey, he turned to me and said, you know, before I got on this plane, I would have called myself an atheist. But since having this conversation, you've caused me to completely reconsider my stance on God and on life. Thank you so much. And anyway, my dad gave him a lift back to Bishop Briggs, and that was it. Incredible. Asking questions and answering questions. Verse 32 to 33. This is the passage of Scripture that the eunuch was reading. And here's the quote. Talking about Jesus. He was led like a, la- like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Remember the, the trials that Jesus did before Pilate and just stood there, serene, knowing exactly what was going to happen. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. It was completely unjust what happened against Jesus. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Isaiah here predicting the death and resurrection of Jesus. The passage, just those verses I've read, but there's more. I'll read it in a minute. It's an incredible passage. Incredible. It is impeccable timing of God. I don't know how long this this guy's already been in the journey from Jerusalem. He might have been already on the go maybe an hour or two. I don't know if, if all that time he'd been reading the scroll of Isaiah. I don't know if he'd been, I don't know if he'd start in chapter one, but either way, when he comes to chapter 53, like just such an amazing passage speaking about the, the cross, about the death of Jesus, about the central event in all of history, he comes to that moment, and it's just then that God has set up that a guy from Samaria would meet him on that road at just at that point, impeccable timing of God, just transforms. I mean, do you know that God speaks through his Bible? The Bible is an amazing book. Some of you have experienced the impeccable timing of God in the Bible. You've been going through something through the week. You arrive on Sunday and, whoa, that's what I went through. Whatever the preacher's preaching on from the Bible. Or, or maybe you, you've been reading the Bible verse and then all of a sudden the phone rings and you pick it up and the person's going through the thing you've just been reading and, and you've just been equipped for that conversation. You, and there's so many, I can't describe them all. There's so many happenstances. You know what it's like to be reading the Bible and it's just so relevant. It's just so bullseye. It's impeccable timing of God. Mark Driscoll, when he's a uh, great, great Bible teacher in, in, in America, when he was uh, invited by Piers Morgan to do an interview on CNN, uh, in the Piers Morgan interview, Piers Morgan had done several interviews with uh, key Christian leaders. And in the interviews, they debated the Bible and beliefs and kind of Piers Morgan did his thing and kind of gave them a grilling. Anyway, when Mark Driscoll came on, uh, Mark brought with him a gift of a Bible and he gave it to him. He said, I want to give you this, Piers. And Piers Morgan said this, you know what, I've, I've debated with the Bible with lots of Christian leaders, but no one's actually ever given me a Bible. Thank you very much. And he gave him a Bible. Because I think one of the best things you can give, just like uh, Jack and Laura gave a Bible to that Polish guy. It's one of the best things you can give to people. I, I, I love on Fridays, I sit in Costa Coffee and I do my sermon preparation while having a flat white. And I, I, partly I'm there because I like flat white and I like Costa Coffee. But partly I'm there also because I like the staff. They're my mates. I've become good friends with them. And, and oftentimes we'll get a chance to talk about God. And I love that. And you know, you know what I've done? I, 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 what the, the manager there is a Latvian guy, good friends. We've become good friends over the months and, and years now, actually. I, I, bought, I bought him maybe half a year ago. I bought him a Latvian Bible. I said, I've got something for you. And I wrapped it up and I said, uh, this is the best book ever. And I gave it to him. 
And just, just out of the blue gift, I said, I want you to have this. I've also given him management books because I want him to do well in his business. And I, but I've given him the Bible and said, this book is more important than any other book I can give you. And it's the life of God. It's the word of God. It brings life. It brings transformation. Who's God calling you to give a Bible to? Get, I mean, get them to read it for themselves. God can speak for himself. It's life-changing. Have you bought a Bible for anyone recently? Have you given a Bible away recently? It is incredible. Give it away. Share it. Verse 34, the eunuch said to Philip, tell me please, who's the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip, beginning with this very passage of scripture, told him the good news about Jesus. From this very passage in Isaiah, he told him the good news about Jesus. You know what? The the central figure in the whole Bible is Jesus Christ. He is in the Old Testament concealed and he's in the New Testament revealed. If you hear a Bible teacher stand up and teach from the Bible at any point in the Bible and he doesn't talk about Jesus, they haven't preached the Bible because the whole book is about Jesus Christ. Every verse, every verse, every book, every chapter, it's all pointing towards Jesus Christ. And, and Philip took this Ethiopian through this, he painted the picture of Jesus, helped him understand Jesus. And notice Philip starts with where he's at. The guy was reading this passage and he starts from here and explains Jesus. And I always suggest to you, you've got friends who don't know God. Start with where they're at and help them to come to know Jesus. You know, you might have a friend who's going through a great crisis or maybe bereavement. They're thinking about eternal issues. They're thinking about life and death. Start with that. that. Start there. Don't get into arguments. Talk to them about how Jesus makes sense in the midst of bereavement. You know, you you might have a friend who's a spiritualist. He kind of does weird and dodgy stuff that is demonic, right? Don't tell them that. But start with where they're at. Say, I believe in the spirit realm. I believe in life after death. Let me tell you about Jesus. I have many friends who are Buddhists, atheists, and Muslims. I've got good friends. We have meals with them. We hang out. I have friends from all these backgrounds. I cannot remember once when I've debated with them about what they believe and tried to poo-hoo what they believe I, I, I don't believe what they believe. might come as a surprise to you. Okay? Uh, hence, I'm not a Buddhist or an atheist or a Muslim. Okay? I don't believe what they believe. But I can't remember a time when I've got into heated debate with them about what they believe. But I can remember many occasions when I've talked to them about Jesus. You see, you could get into all the debates and all the arguments. But oftentimes, you might even win the argument, but you might lose the person. And the key issue is this. Just tell them about Jesus. I love Charles Spurgeon's quote. He said this, The word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend the lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and the lion will defend itself. So tell them about Jesus. Just let the lion out of the cage. Introduce them to the one who can change their life. And he said, who is the prophet talking about? And Philip, he talks to them about this passage. Let me read the passage to you. Isaiah 53. this This is the broader context of that verse. He was despised and rejected by mankind's. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. And yet we considered him punished by God and smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, like as a sheep before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. 
What is the good news about Jesus Christ? Philip told him, starting from this passage, the good news about Jesus Christ. Now, some of you have heard of identity theft, and usually there's no good news in identity theft. But what Jesus did on the cross was identity theft in reverse. He assumed your identity. He took on your identity and got involved in your personal affairs, your, your dealings between you and God. In fact, a thief would come and steal your identity, and he, they would cause you to be in more debt. But Jesus, like a friend, takes your identity and dies on the cross, paying the debts that you could not have paid, clearing the debt, dying in your place to take away all your sin, all your regrets, everything that would have damned you for all eternity to hell. He took it in your place so that in exchange, you can have a new identity in Christ, accepted, eternally forgiven, God's forever. That's the good news. It's not any better than that. It's eternally, incredibly good news. And today, maybe you've, you thought things, you know, maybe you thought the bad news was, oh, my job's in jeopardy, or my, my job's Oh, my relationships are in jeopardy. Listen, if you don't know God, that's the worst news ever. You know, all the other stuff's temporal. Not knowing God's an eternally bad news. But the good news is this. You can know God through Jesus Christ. Don't live another day without him. And if you're here today and you don't yet know Jesus, I appeal to you. God loves you. Come to him today. Live your life for him today wholeheartedly. Give yourself to Jesus who gave himself for you. He assumed your identity. He took your sin so that you can have his forgiveness and righteousness. And that's all yours for free at his expense. On the third day, he rose again and he's alive and you're in his presence just now. And he can be your Lord and Savior today. And it says, verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he, gave orders to, and, and he gave orders to stop the chariot, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Water in a desert? I mean, seriously? This is just a big setup by God. Day before, God's popped a cloud just over that spot, filled a puddle up. That's perfect. I'll get it so he arrives there. When he's reading, I'll, he'll read Isaiah 53 just, just there. They'll meet, they'll have the conversation, and then, oh, look, just at the point when there's a punchline, there'll be a puddle of water that'll be deep enough to baptize. It was a total setup from God. By the way, we believe the word baptize means to immerse or to submerge. We don't believe, see, when people say, oh, I've been baptized, and they talk about a little tiny little sprinkling thing, you know, Philip could have just said, hey, give me a water flask, yeah, bless you, to the Ethiopian eunuch, right, in, in the chariot. And yet, that's not what happens. They went down into the water and they came up out of the water. There was baptism. It was proper baptism. If you haven't been baptized yet and you're a believer, what are you waiting for? Go for it. Get baptized. Notice the sense of urgency here. The Ethiopian eunuch said, listen, I believe what you're saying to me, Philip. I believe in Jesus. Here's water. Let's do it now. Let's get baptized right now. And so I want to say to you, if you're a believer or, or, or if today you're saying, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to follow Jesus, then don't procrastinate. This is the most important thing ever, and this is one to be decided upon. Get baptized. If you are not yet baptized, and if today you're already a believer and you're not yet baptized, or today you're becoming a believer and you're not yet baptized, see on your car and your seats there, you'll see there's a welcome card. Write down your name and number and tick the box that says, I want to get baptized. We will be in touch with you and we'll arrange it with you. Don't procrastinate anymore. 
God calls you to do this. Stop being religious. Stop worrying about, oh, what about my parents when I got that little bit of water in my head. It, that, that might have been special for your parents. That was a decision they made to raise you in a certain way. But now you've made a decision to follow Jesus. You need to get baptized like the Bible says. Take this step of faith. And notice it's 100%. It's not like, all right, well, yeah, I might pray a prayer and accept it. No, no. It's a, it was just, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Getting baptized is saying, end of the old life. I'm going to live for God now. So don't, don't be wishy-washy in your decision to follow Jesus. We've got enough wishy-washy believers out there. That's what gives religion and God a bad name. Be an authentic follower. doesn't mean you're perfect, but be an authentic follower of Jesus. Really mean it. Give your whole life to him. Don't hold anything back. Repent for your sins. Live for Jesus. Get baptized. Verse 39. Say amen. Oh yeah. Verse 39. It says, When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him, but went on his way rejoicing. Wow. It's like Star Trek. Bing. I mean, just incredible. And I, do you think that happened, Pierre? I absolutely do. I believe in God. And because I believe in God, the idea that God can do anything, if he happens to be God, the creator of all things, doesn't surprise me. God can do that. And God did do that. And it says he went on his way rejoicing and slightly freaked. Ooh, praise the Lord. Okay, I mean, that's, that's incredible. I mean, Philip didn't have time to do the friendship evangelism thing. Listen, let's, let's go for a coffee and talk about God, right? Or do the kind of servant-hearted evangelism. Let me change the wheel of your chariot for you. And now I'll earn credibility by which I can now speak to you about God, right? He didn't have time for all this. It was just, a, I've never met you before, but I believe God's put us together. Let me tell you about Jesus. And there are times and places for building the friendships. And there are times and places for serving people practically. But there's also times and places for doing what Philip does, where you just share the faith and then you just do the disappear thing just like that. And then God will do the rest. It's an incredible moment. And it says he was rejoicing. Why was he rejoicing? He had a still a long way to go. He, I mean, he, he, he was a government official. He still had many burdens. Still, he still had no, okay, still many things not to rejoice about, okay? And yet the Bible says he went on his way rejoicing. Why? You read it, Isaiah 53. Someone had taken his identity. There was a substitute made. God had taken all his sin. And some of you have become believers and you're not fully rejoicing because you don't fully believe that. You don't fully, you have not grasped the scale and the completeness and the absoluteness of God's decision to save you based on Christ. That is an irreversible moment that took place in your life when you put your trust in Jesus. You are more secure than you ever dared hope or imagine. Rejoice. And it ends with verse 40. And Philip however, preached in Azotus and traveled around preaching the gospel in the towns until he reached Caesarea. What happens next? Well, Philip, he reappeared in a place and then he spent the rest of the time walking and telling people about Jesus. It probably seemed quite normal. He probably didn't, he tried to do it again. It didn't work. He probably had to just walk from there on. He had to be very human and walk from place to place. And he was maybe, oh, Where's the guys in the chariot reading the Bible? And they weren't there again. It was just, that was just a one-off thing. And sometimes in the, in the sea of normality, there might be these one-off moments. But nevertheless, normality is still awesome. 
You use your legs, you use your mouth, you tell people about Jesus, you share your faith. And it just went into normality and he just kept sharing about Jesus. What about the eunuch? What happened to him? Well, a church father, Irenaeus, in the second century, wrote about the Ethiopian eunuch. And I quote, This man was also sent into the regions of Ethiopia to preach what he himself had believed. He went and started telling everyone about Jesus who he had believed in. He started sharing the faith. You see, you can count the number of seeds in an orange, but you can't count the number of oranges in a seed. And this Ethiopian eunuch had believed in Jesus. And he hadn't just believed in Jesus. He now became the means by which other people started to believe in Jesus. When I was a student, I only saw two of my friends as a student become believers. One of them was called Myrto, a Greek girl. And she came to faith in Jesus. And she put her trust in Jesus. Just one life, one life at a time. And then she, she got married to my best friend, Brendan, and they moved to Dublin. And since moving to Dublin, she has seen hundreds of people come to faith in Jesus. They've started a church. You can count the number of seeds in an orange, but you can't count, count the number of oranges in a seed. A couple of years ago in, in the evening service here in Gorgie, a young man came forward, and at the end of the service he said, today I've decided to follow Jesus. Can you pray for me? And I, I held his hands and I prayed with him. And he had this big experience of God touching him. Today, he's preaching the message in our north location, Jordan. He's the preacher there. He's preaching this text in our north location. You see, you can count the number of seeds in an orange. You can't count the number of oranges in a seed. Just, just one life at a time, that's all. God just wants you to use you to impact one life. God changes the world one life at a time. Say one life at a time. Let's pray. So God, we're just really grateful to you. We're grateful for so many reasons. We're grateful for what you did in this man's life. Thank you, God. We're grateful to you, God, for what you did in Kamal's life, that 21-year-old Polish man who was at the brink of eternity. And you rescued him in that moment. And you've introduced him, we believe, to yourself. Lord, thank you for what you've done in our lives. God, however supernatural, however even normal it seems, you brought people into our lives to help us on our journey. Now, I pray for this church, God, this church that here, this is one of the five services. This church is so much bigger than any one service. This church of wonderful people who come from all different parts of this city and this region, who've come from all different parts of the world as well as from Scotland. This wonderful church, God, thank you. You have brought us together, not just to hear and to learn, but to be equipped so that we can go out on Monday and Tuesday right through the week and we can show the love of God to precious people just one life at a time that you have placed in our lives. Sometimes they'll be very different to us. Sometimes they might not be believers. Sometimes they might be come from other religions. Sometimes they might come from other backgrounds or lifestyles. But thank you for the wonderful opportunity to connect with people created in the image of God that you love deeply, God. Thank you for this amazing message of love that Jesus, you were willing to die on the cross and rise again for our sins so we could know you, God, for all eternity. Thank you, you're alive right now. We say yes to you, Lord. Yes to your calling. Yes to following you. Yes to sharing this love with others. In his presence, I want you, both categories of people, I want you to respond. If you're here today and you're a believer, you follow Jesus, you know Jesus. I want you to respond just now. I want you to say, okay, Lord, let me not be so consumed with my life that I forget the lives of those around me. 
Ask God for those opportunities. Ask God for those God's happenings, those divine appointments. Ask him for them and tell him you're willing to take them. Maybe some of you today, you're believers, but you haven't been baptized yet. And it, it's not even complicated. Just, it's, it's just a step of obedience. Go for it. Now is the time. Take the step. Don't wait any longer. It might be today that some of you here today, you don't yet know God, but God knows you. And he's loved you since the moment you came into existence in your mother's womb. And his light, his hand is on your life. And today, he invites you, through me, he invites you to come to himself. Jesus is the savior of the world. He died for you. And through Jesus Christ, you can have an eternal relationship with God. You might not understand it all, but in your heart, if you listen, you will know it's true. Your heart will resonate with what I'm saying. And God is calling you to come back to him as, your, as his child. So that's you today. And you're saying, Peter, today I, I want God in my life. I want to become a follower of Jesus. If that's you, then I invite you to pray this prayer with me just now. I'm just going to pray it one line at a time. And I invite you to pray it with me. Pray, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you for being willing to die on the cross for all my sins and to rise again on the third day. I believe you are alive, risen from the dead. Today I make a choice. I choose to place my faith in you. I choose to become a follower of yours, Jesus. God, I give you my life. Jesus, take first place in my life. Be Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer and accepting me today, God.